Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. Welcome back. Today's conversation is with a friend and a fellow podcaster who has become a bit of a mentor to me in this journey. Sky King started his own podcast a number of years ago called Curiosity. He now works for Aubrey Marcus, who has one of the most popular podcasts out there. We discuss Sky's journey from corporate America to his current gigs and all the learnings and readings he's done to get him where he's at today. I'm sure you'll enjoy the conversation. But I would love you to start off uh, just introducing yourself um, and telling us a little bit about what you do um, and maybe how you got there. Awesome. So my name is Sky King. Um, I work for a podcaster and author named Aubrey Marcus. Uh, Aubrey is in like the top 0.01% of podcasts, which basically puts them at a little over a million downloads a month. Um, we can go kind of deeper into the podcasting space and how it's grown and how many are out there and whatnot in a bit. Um, but I got here because I, uh, was working in big pharma. Um, it wasn't a place that I ever saw myself or wanted to be. And I kind of saw two paths before me. One that was great with a ton of opportunities, but one that I'd never wanted for myself. And I didn't feel like I'd be fulfilled on it. And the other one was like basically a, a big, a big jump, a big leap with some risk. And that excited me. And, uh, I decided to leap that direction. So basically what that looked like is coming down to Austin, uh, leaving the company I'd worked for, working at a front desk job and working my way onto Aubrey's team. Um, that took a few months, but eventually landed there and have been pretty excited ever since. Um, the other day I had somebody ask me if I regretted being at Lily at all. And um, I think that you know one should always try and live without regret, but it's easier said than done. I do not know if I needed to be there, but it has been, uh, you know, this is where I've ended up and I don't know if I would have without that. So the answer to that, not that you asked it would be no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you just offering that because, uh, you know, one of the things I, I would, I would love to dig in a little bit further is kind of this winding road that we all are on. And as people think about, you know, change in their careers and change in their life, and I mean, just everything that's kind of all around us right now. Um, I personally think that the the pathways um, and the roads are not as direct as maybe they used to be, and maybe maybe they they weren't that direct before. But we we sort of prescribed to a sense that they were. Um, so I appreciate you offering kind of the the way in which you got um, to where you're at, um, working on working on something that's a passion for you. I know also that um, you and I obviously met when you were uh, when you were still in college. Yeah. Um, so I would love to to hear a little bit about um, some of the perspectives of you know when you can't when you finished college and you came into and I'm I'm putting in quotes here the corporate world because what is that anymore? Um, what were some of the things that when you when you left and you and you entered into into sort of the post university world what were some of the things that um surprised you 
um, or changed in a sense of like your expectation was was something different? So my whole life, I've always been uh, pretty confident in myself and I've always kind of done exactly what I wanted to do and, you know, found a way for it to work out. And that was true from like going to, you know, really small school in the Midwest coming from Northern California when all my friends were going to UCLA you see Santa Barbara in like beautiful places, but I kind of, you know, saw different paths and thought that they were interesting and took them. Um, For some reason, when I was a senior in college, a lot of that confidence went away. I don't know if it was just because of like, like now that I've gotten more into health and wellness, I don't know if it's just because I made a massive diet change, which so basically I wasn't eating meat, which at an all-male school in Crawfordsville, Indiana, isn't super functional because you have to eat with your fraternity. So I was basically just eating processed bread all the time. So I don't know if there's like a, a gut brain thing going on there, but, or if it's something more emotional, but I basically lost all of my like usual confidence. And so I got a really great job offer. And instead of like pushing for something I wanted differently, which at the time was venture for America, um, which was Andrew Yang, who now is kind of a national stage at the time was less known his company. Um, you know, I went with kind of the safe option. And that was uh, something that was, you know, interesting or something I never expected to happen. It was a bit difficult to begin and did a project called Project Consumer. Basically, I convinced five other kids to live in their trash for eight weeks so you couldn't throw anything away. Um, And the concept was I thought that our view of I thought the, the marketing and the positioning behind the environmental movement was utterly flawed because it took a problem. And said, this is so huge that no individual can actually fix it. So it makes the consumer feel helpless. And I think when people feel helpless, they tend to ignore problems rather than like try and find solutions. So right. it, does, it takes that macro and turns it on the micro and has every single individual in a small confined area see what they waste and what they consume. Um, and so that was a definitely a life-changing experience for me and for the participants. For me, it was it was great to see... Like, you know, senior in college, I was having a lot of beer and just watching that stack up was actually amazing to be like, whoa, like there's nowhere to hide from your actions because trash tells you who you are more than who you think you are. Um, and so that was like a really cool experience. And I was kind of riding a high off of that. But then I went straight into, uh, yeah, literally the quote unquote corporate world. And uh, that was that was also very interesting, like similarly to what we were talking about before the podcast, they struggled to understand what to do with me and that was something I was told a lot like people it was like oh you're really smart or like you're great and we love you but like we just don't know what to do with you and that kept coming up and coming up and whenever I'd fill out like my five-year career map or like kind of career map with the different mentors that they kind of have you go through the system like it was really difficult for me to see a job I wanted with the com- within the company so like the next com- job that I actually was interested in was something in like corporate strategy which you know which at the way the company, at the way in which you grew within the company, like what wouldn't happen for the next 15 years? So it was kind of like, okay, what is he going to do for the next 15 years as he tries to develop that? Um, one of the major reasons I don't regret going there at all is because the, uh, I think, kind of the lack of stokeness I felt in the actual day-to-day job made me really, really focus on development on the outside. And that's where I found podcasting. That's where, you know, I've loved reading since I was five and I like double, tripled down into reading more. Um, I started meeting people in the community, finding fun in Indianapolis, uh, 
and like living in the way I wanted to outside of the nine to five. And so that really helped build me back up. You know, I lost a bunch of weight, got my diet a lot healthier, started a meditation practice, um, started cold exposure, started intense breathing stuff and really took care of all of the stuff that I think a lot of people put on the back burner until they're forced to look at it because I was lacking the creative output in the nine to five. So that was awesome. And that's basically how I found podcasting. Um, so to the original question, I think it is difficult. Uh, it was, it was definitely not what I expected postgrad to be, but it has become, and that's because I wasn't who I expected myself to be at postgrad. Yeah, no, I, I, I really appreciate the, like the complexity of kind of the answer. Cause it's not, it's not, uh, it wasn't necessarily an easy direct discovery. And before I forget, before we jump onto the, the, the micro and the podcast, I would love to, to get into that. I do want to comment on the, um, the gut brain connection and you had mentioned, and I, I totally relate as you, as you talked about it. And I do remember meeting you. I think I met you in the fraternity house and I think I met you over a meal, um, you know, with all the guys. And, um, it just, brought me to a place where I remembered being in the army. And, um, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm remembering eating a lot of processed bread and meat. And, um, it's so interesting the way you described it, like the confidence went down in a time in your life when it should have been kind of going up, right? You were about to graduate and you were achieving, you were about to go into the next chapter. And just as you described that, and I so appreciate that you did, because it, it helped me remember a time when I was in the army and there were times I was very confused as to why the confidence level was going down when in fact I was achieving. And I, I never thought of that, um, until you mentioned it, but I myself over the past two, three years have made significant diet changes, significant health changes. Um, and, uh, I do think there is a brain gut connection and we don't necessarily have to get into that here. I mean, if people are interested in that, obviously, they can, they can do some research or reach out to you or me afterwards. But I just want to name that because, uh, to me that there has been a drastic change for me in making the health health choices and changes. Um, and I have seen the direct consequence of the comfort and the, the confidence, um, in me. So I, I, I want to kind of call that out and say, thanks for making that connection. Yeah, of course. It is pretty crazy. Like food really impacts you. And yeah, we can, you don't have to go into it now, but it's, it's pretty, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's, that's a whole other episode that maybe we'll have to have to have. Um, I would love to jump a little bit into, I I loved that analogy of the micro and then the podcast part. Cause I feel like, and keep me honest here, but I feel like in your journey, when you, um, when you started the podcast that you started, um, curiosity, um, it was, it seemed like as I was listening to it, um, it seemed like it was your micro contribution back to an ecosystem that, um, really helped that was benefiting you. What was that? Was that kind of the way that you arrived at the, the, you know, taking a, what might be considered a micro step to create and then expanding upon it. And then, you know, another question beyond that is, um, you know, what's, what's the change been like from going kind of from your own creating to being part of, as you, as you named a very, very powerful brand and, um, powerful podcast in itself and being part of the the marketing for that. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you're a hundred percent correct. Like, so I, uh, a motto that's always driven me 
for basically as long as I can remember is this idea of like creation over consumption. Um, and I want that like ratio to always be positive, like, or, or greater than one. Like I want to be creating more than right. I'm consuming. And I, I mean that more in the, uh, cause I, in like less, like, so back to like the project consume concept, it was like, look at what you're consuming. Like, what are you then putting back out into the world? Um, and when I got really deep into podcasting, I felt that I was just the consumer and it, it was really foreign to me. And I was like, Oh wait, this is like a super easy medium to just create on. And right. so the, the reasons were one, I felt like I was learning a lot in Indianapolis, um, which is again, a place I never thought I'd be from Northern California and lived in New York and a bunch of different place in Hawaii. And, uh, but I learned to like, I learned a lot in that community. I wanted to give it back because I saw that Indianapolis had like a really bad marketing problem. Um, with Lily, I would go to like Howard and I would go to a bunch of different schools, um, on the coast because they wanted someone who, uh, wasn't from the Midwest to speak about the Midwest a little bit. Right. And it was crazy. Cause I'd hear these people stand in front of these 19 year old college students from urban areas. And when I say urban, I mean like fun cities, not how it's used other times. Um, and they would be like, India is a great place to raise your family to have cheap rent, to fly to other places. And I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, <laughs> that's not how you communicate to a 19, 20 year old to get them stoked about places to live. Um, and, but it felt like, I don't know if it was just like the Midwestern culture or whatnot, but it just seemed like consistently Indy had a, a marketing problem. And so that was one part of it. The second part of it was I needed to find some creative outlet and to create an add back value to the, to the, to the universe that was bringing me so much value personally. The third reason was I didn't, I felt like all the big podcasts, though they are so distributed and could be anywhere, were on the coast. So they're following the traditional media pattern, which I think has led to a lot of issues. Um, everything from the president we have today to, uh, to the opportunity for the concept of a flyover state. And because podcasting is so easy to start up and so easy to spread a message far, like it didn't need to happen that way anymore, which I can also go deep into because like podcasts and advertising and it as a medium is something I'm very passionate about, but mm -hmm. it was still happening where the coasts had all the big podcasts. And, right. um, and so I'd listen to, you know, Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss and I'd want to go to, you know, a sensory deprivation tank or to that restaurant they mentioned or to that jujitsu place, but I couldn't cause I was an indie. And so it was having right. that kind of negative impact because there's so many cool entrepreneurs in Indy, so many cool restaurants in Indy, so many like phenomenal things that just people weren't highlighting and talking about. So it was just an opportunity to give back to the ecosystem I was currently living in, look at mid-sized cities and the environments in the middle of the country differently and, um, and try and help with the marketing problem of some of those cities. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's so interesting how you described um, the way that we as consumers, and again, I'm going to go back to sort of the consume and even the example of what you're saying, right? Imagine sitting in a room and you're consuming and you can't do anything with your, with your trash, as you, as you described, but in a digital realm, right? Mm -hmm. So we consume all of this stuff, but we can't imagine, I guess the equivalent would be imagine you cannot delete anything off your phone or your device after you've kind of downloaded it and consumed it. 
And and sometimes that happens where we forget that we've subscribed to a podcast and it's automatically pulling stuff down. And then you say, why am I running out of space? And I feel constricted. And now I have to just purge and get all this stuff out. So I think it's really uh, interesting at the same time how we, you know, in a media lens, I agree with you, we're kind of, we've subscribed in some way to scripts that were written quite a while ago. So flyover state being an example, right? The media um, on the coast being more of a, you know, kind of a, a powerful source. These are, I think these are scripts that I personally believe were written a while ago under a completely different, um, quote unquote world order. But at some point we just echo them. And unless you stop and say, hang on a second, this script is not going to work for a auditorium full of 19 year olds, um, to get them excited and enthused and, and wanting to join, uh, part of a community. Um, unless you stop and say that, you know, we, we kind of just repeat what's been said or we're take, we take that script and we, we read it differently. And so, so I think what's awesome about, as you said, the podcast thing is that kind of upends it, right? I mean, it puts, it puts a, a microphone at your disposal and allows you to get a different message out there or a more um, genuine message out there. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on what, what that level of, I don't know, listenership, um, community following is, um, ideally because not everybody's going to be in an Aubrey. Um, not everybody's going to be a Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan. I also think they don't need to be. And I think that's what I hear you saying. Is that, is that, am I right in that? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so to like, to zoom out a little bit, so I can, I kind of walk through my, my kind of whole thought process on this. One thing, like, as you were saying that you can, you know, do it really cheaply and kind of get your voice out and you don't need to have, you know, a million listeners to, to actually make this like a full-time career. And I think that one thing we need to do within podcasting, one thing we have the opportunity to do, and this is one area where we can actually learn from China as opposed to China stealing ideas from us is, uh, is we need to figure out a way to monetize without ads. So we need to move away from this concept of free content. And that's hard for growth. And like in the kind of Silicon Valley era, like that's the opposite of what you want to do because that will disrupt growth. But I think we need to figure out how to condition the consumer to pay for its pay for its content. And it's really in their best interest because then they're not selling what they don't know what that they're selling. You know, it keeps the right keeps the consumer producer uh, relationship more clear because right now it's super unclear because the actual product that every podcast is selling are the consumers, mm-hmm. which isn't good for truth, and that consistently has not worked out well. Um, there's a book by Upton Sinclair called The Brass Check. Uh, this book was probably the number one book that changed my life. Um, and it just showed how bad and how consistently from, you know, 1900s to today, media has been uh, manipulated, slightly leveraged or full out like lied slash fake because of the advertisers and the influence advertisers have on it. Um, and Upton was, he, most people probably know him for writing The Jungle, uh, but right, he yeah. went on to write a lot more than that, but he was attacking a lot of people 
who, uh, so he didn't become, nobody knows about him outside of that because of how aggressive he was in his attacks on what people were doing. Um, and when you go up against kind of that, that machine, it yeah, doesn't always bear out well for you, right? You Is lose. That a fair statement? Yeah, you 100% yeah. lose. And like now we have a time period where Upton would have won because we have this kind of, you know, more distributed. Yeah. Network. But the problem is like the mechanisms are still in place for us to go to that, to follow the exact same patterns right now. And I like the scariest thing in podcasting, like most people, this is the most exciting thing in podcasting. The scariest thing in podcasting was Spotify or Spotify and Loom, the Spotify purchasing Gimlet for $200 million. Like they're going to have to you know, mm-hmm. make that money back. And that means they're going to have a really big team behind them. And what happens when you have a big team, you have to have advertisers. And when you need the advertisers versus like the Joe Rogan or the Tim Ferriss, who Tim just took six months off advertisers. Um, when there's a team of two people, like you can go a few weeks without an advertiser and be fine, which means you have leverage. But when you have, right, cause you don't have to make feed, up that payroll exactly for like teams of people. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And then you can't make, you can't be as, you know, Hey, I'm not going to say what you want me to say. I'm not going to like fudge this a little bit. I'm not going to call this my favorite product. You know, when it starts with these little micro mistruths and moves forward, the area where we can learn from China, which is super ironic, but truth, um, not to be super critical of China, I'm obsessed with China, uh, but I don't know if they are always as a government, the most truthful or any government really, but they have a platform called Himalaya right now, Himalaya, the revenue in Himalaya was about $5 billion in 2017 to compare that to the U S or in, without advertising, it's no advertising. And the U.S. was in 2017 $700 million. And if you guys want to check out um, Anderson Horowitz, the VC, uh, recently put out a investing in the podcast ecosystem, which is an amazing read if you're interested in podcasts. Um, but that was all done through gamified, like audio-first content. And what I mean by that is similar to how Twitch does it with video, you, would, you could have live stream yeah. audio and interact and ask questions to the creator. And you'd use it through these little like medallions or tokens that had, you had to purchase through a certain like um, few cents. And I just see like a really big opportunity. It's actually, this is what I want kind of like my next mission to be is building this platform. And so I'm kind of working on that currently. Um, but a place where, cause I don't think the way that we're going to be able to fix the consumer producer relationship is by just like, you know, 99% purchases. I think it's going to have to be because they're so conditioned to free it's going to have to be something like really gamified, really new, make them feel a part of the community. Um, and there's people that are starting to do that. So Supercast is a platform that's starting to go that way. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah. But that's basically you get behind a paywall. And there's, there's other issues with paywalls, right? And I just think there's a way for it to become very open, very free, very community-driven. But in that atmosphere, if you, to the original question, only have, you know, a thousand listeners, like really active listeners like you can still find ways to monetize those directly. And, you know, it's, it's by building that massive fan base and, you know, making awesome content that they want to be able to pay for. But I mean, if you have a thousand true fans, they're each like giving you five bucks a month to listen to your content, like $5,000 a month, you know, then take taxes out of it. But I mean, that's a pretty liv- livable wage for most individuals in the U S um, way more than a livable wage. You know, I guess the poverty line is like $12,000 a year. So yeah, I'm curious your your thoughts on uh, the Patreon model. I've I've actually been listening to, um, and it's it's interesting as you were describing kind of that, um, even like the navigating the waters of the podcast um, industry, 
um, as, as we kind of talked about, is an industry, will it soon be an industry, you know, that can be debated, but I, I think it is of that, of that, uh, mass and of that potential. So I also listen to a number of these where people intentionally, as you're saying, are trying to not become the, uh, sort of the lackey of the advertising. Um, and they, they sometimes go the Patreon model and I hear it be a little bit different. As you said, there's always a little bit of extra content or something unique or an offering that, um, allows the listener to say, I'm actually, I'm paying for that in order to, um, help this person offset some of the costs. What are your thoughts on the, the Patreon model? I don't know that much about it other than a few, um, a few producers and, con- you know, podcast creators are starting to look at it. Yeah. So I personally think it's, you know, it's a really good opportunity to start moving that direction. I look at it as like the web 1.0. Um, the issues are it's not integrated into the platforms. And so it's difficult. It's hard for people to navigate. They don't understand, like they have to get their content from multiple places, which is always going to fail. So those are my issues with it. And so I do think we need a single platform, but I definitely think it's a step in the right direction. I think Supercast is even better because you do that, you know, monthly payment, but then you get it straight into the RSS feed. Um, so it all sits in one yeah. place, but like, I love and Patreon and love what they're doing and what the mission is. And like, I wish more people went that route. It sucks that they, yeah. because of some freedom of speech issues have now gotten a bad rep with most of these really good podcasters who want to find a different advertising model. Cause I think they would have been a really great platform for that. So that's a bit of a bummer with like the Sam Harris's and other people. Yeah. Jordan Peterson. And, and what about, um, Anchor. You heard of Anchor. Yeah. Um, I believe. Yeah. So what, what are your, what are your thoughts or, or for those that are listening and they're thinking about all these, cause again, it's getting a, it's becoming a busy playground. Um, yeah. what about Anchor? Yeah. So I'm, I'm less familiar with Anchor. Um, but Anchor and Podbean, I think do a great job of kind of integrating the site, the host, like ability to monetize all that into one place. They just haven't become as ubiquitous in culture. And it's difficult because, you know, Apple still uh, runs like 70% of the market, I think, with Spotify right. coming up fast as the second one. Um, but I know there's a lot of investors really seriously considering Anchor. I know that it has, I think, a big potential to be a good player in the space. But it's interesting to this. We haven't seen like a big breakaway. Um, but I do think one thing that Anchor and Podbean both do super well is they take the confusion of having to have a WordPress site, having to have a Blueberry plugin, having to have all these multiple places and putting it in one place for like basically free, um, depending on your viewership. And so that, I mean, that's just going to help the space without a doubt. Yeah. I felt like the cost, the barrier of entry, the cost of entry with a thing like an anchor. And again, I'm as a, obviously as a a creator, I'm kind of exploring all these things too, because I just want to understand the, 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 you know, the, the playground. Um, I felt like anchors sort of cost of entry was super easy. I was like, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Look at how easy this is. Now I was a little bit surprised that like, you know, go ahead and set this up. You know, the, the adding and audio and editing was super easy on both a phone and a computer. And it was uh, seamless. It was this pretty much the same, um, you know, intuitive and responsive experience, which I really appreciated. And then kind of when I went to go be like, all right, let me put it, put it somewhere. Um, it, it does. It gives you that option. Like, would you like us to help you push it to these seven different platforms? And there's a part in there which then says, would you like to explore how to monetize it? And I, I chose not to kind of go down that path. Um, 
to, to, to do the monetizing part. But I did think it was packaged pretty well in the sense where if I'm a, if I'm a new creator or a new producer, I didn't get intimidated in the process sure. of, Oh, now I have to go spin this thing up and I have to go get an e-commerce site and I have to go, you know, I, that would have probably sent me running in the other direction. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm, to, I'm exploring it as well. Um, you know, I, I tend to have stuff. I was a kind of a SoundCloud person in the beginning. And so I do a lot of SoundCloud stuff and then push it out. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different, but, um, how do you, I mean, I'm, I'm also curious from the standpoint of like all of this changing dynamic in the playground and what's it like, you know, as you think about working, um, in the ecosystem with Aubrey Marcus and, and others, and even the guests that he has on his podcast and the, the interplay, I mean, I've been listening to, to his podcast now for probably about a year, year and a half, maybe. Um, and I think I stumbled on it because of you. So thank you for that. Um, and there've been many a night where I am, you know, about to kind of turn in and I listen to Aubrey and, and one of his guests and it takes me into like a place I never thought my mind would go. And that's what I love about the conversations. Do you see that changing, evolving? Are people trying to uh, mimic that? Cause I, I think it's a very unique style. Um, and I like it and it gives me a ton of creativity so from the standpoint of where you sit and some of the marketing and, and all of that, do you see that changing? Is that influencing other people? I would just love your thoughts on that. Uh, I definitely think Aubrey's having like a pretty big influence on people. Um, it's, I don't know, you know, he's, it's, it's really interesting to work on the team and with him. Uh, kind of what you were just saying, like you find your mind going places that you never thought they'd go. Like that's kind of like every day at work, which is super interesting. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And he, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's always somebody who's kind of like verbally worked through his issues. And so it kind of gives you the space to, to do that with him as well. And he's, you know, he's had a lot of experience throwing himself into the fire and a lot of things. And so it's been really great to just sit and be with him and to work on stuff. So it's been, it's been awesome. Um, as far as like, and then also like the other thing for me, and I, I don't know if this is exactly where uh, you're headed with the question, but like when I sit in on podcasts, like yesterday I sat on like a three hour podcast with this guy, Alex Benayan, he wrote the third door, um, which is a book I really enjoyed last year. And I'm just sitting there with these people, like, cause I sit in on every podcast and work on some of what we're going to share content with from it while I'm in there. And I was just like, I get to sit there and be like, holy shit, this is my job. Like with my heroes, people I looked up to, and now I'm in the room with them. And uh, next That's going to be amazing. It's amazing, yeah. And next week, I set up a podcast for Aubrey with Ryan Holiday, who's my favorite author and who, uh, you know, has helped, kind of helped me on this journey. He was the one who pushed me towards towards Aubrey and to, to come to this place. And he's, you know, he, he's emailed me as I just kind of reach out to him over the last three years in my journey here. And I even did a whole podcast with somebody about like how to gain mentorship from him, which is hilarious. Uh, but now like I get to, I, I added value to him in a, in a, in a um, functional level because he's launching a book on 10 And so organized him getting on Aubrey's podcast, you know, helping spread the message there. And I can sit and meet him and like be a part of that process. And it's, it's been like such an awesome opportunity and gift. Um, but to, to, I guess the question, did you, did you mean like, do I see people like mimicking him in the space? Like how is his growth doing? Uh, 
Yeah, you. like I mean, I I just think for obviously we, we we both have kind of been as we talked about before consumers in this space for a while, and I think it's it's very easy for me. I call I kind of call it like the digital sniff test, right? Like I I can get into a podcast and very quickly be like, this is not this is this is not going to take me to the depth I need. This isn't going to get off the script that we talked about before. And this isn't going to get off the surface. Um, and so I then go, go find those things and stumble upon things. And a lot of times it's word of mouth, you know, talking to, talking to creators like you, um, listening to people like Aubrey and then him sharing, like, here's who I'm reading or here's who I'm bringing or those guests and saying, yeah, I'm kind of doing my own thing or my buddy's doing, doing this thing or my wife is working on this thing, you know, and that becomes my kind of neural network of discovery. But I don't know if that was intentional. Um, and so I guess as we think about the industry emerging in podcasting, do you think that's going to be something that people try and, and I used the word mimic before, so I'll stick with that mimic um, in hopes of not necessarily gaining listener share, but gaining impact. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do. And I think what you're describing is, when you say the digital sniff test, like what I'm hearing is, are they authentically, like, have they done the work? And then are, are they authentically bringing that to the table? And like, this is exactly. going back to what you're saying with, you don't need that large of an audience to have like this big impact because like you can be so niche and find like that thousand people that are obsessed with what you're doing. And if you have the voice and the curiosity and the drive to bring it forward, then you will make a huge impact on a population. I think we're going to go further and further and further down this line of finding our own tribes um, that, you know, love and want that content. So I don't think the impact's ever going to be as broad as like a Walter Cronkite ever again, but I think it's going to be deeper uh, than it's ever been and be more personable. Um, And that excites me a lot. It worries me because that can be weaponized, but as I'm kind of speaking honestly and fairly and giving time to, to, to talk, then I do, I am excited about it. Yeah, I just think, I mean, maybe maybe it's just because I'm in a place in a space where I'm so much more, you know, fascinated or focused on the human condition. And I think it goes back to some of the things you, you talked about before. Is the challenges that we're seeing presented in this time um, maybe are, are forcing us to stop and, and look inward a little bit. And I agree. I don't necessarily want to have or, or, or spend a lot of time and time is money. And some people would say uh, time is the one thing we can't get back in, in, in some form or fashion. So I believe that spending that time really focusing on the human condition, listening to people who have done their work um, in, in, in that saying and are kind of raw and saying, look, I, I don't know the, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to, go out there and use this platform to help, as, as you were describing, help other people realize that it, it, you know, it's kind of part of a tribe and yeah. that you're not alone in this. Um, you're not alone in the discovery. You're not alone in the questioning. You're not alone in the curiosity. And we're just using, we're using a digital uh, platform to sort of reach out and, and give someone a hand. And that's the way that I feel um, I'm excited about some of these some of the trajectory going, but then we are going to bump up against, as you said, the machine 
um, where money can be made off this. And I think it's going to be a really exciting time for consumers or listeners or citizens or, you know, whatever hat a person wears to say, this is, this is my new, um, threshold. Yeah, without a doubt. And there, one thing that's also happening in like this, in this second part of this, of the podcast is people are now not only having the digital kind of tribe, but then they're building it in real life too. So like, yeah, they're going offline to meet each other. (laughs) Exactly. And they're building these like masterminds and these like groups of people. And, uh, I I really do see it is in in a highly secular community. And I also think maybe this is why it's done. So in China, but in a highly secular community, um, people need like have a human urge to have the, like the structural implications of religion almost and like their spirituality and stuff. And it's like, they're searching for that community so deeply. And, uh, and then when they find it, so Aubrey runs the mastermind called fit for service. And it's like, before you can serve, you have to become fit for service. Mm -hmm. And like these people in this first year have become like best friends with each other. Like they've really become family. Um, and you know, they felt empowered and they're working on missions together that are greater than themselves. And it's really interesting. And so there's, we have like 150 to 180, like pretty high caliber people who are working on really intense missions to try and, you know, like fix what they see, which is wrong with the world. And I think that like, it could be a massive force for good if used correctly. There's always the potential downside if like a sociopath ends up in that space. But yeah. Yeah. I think your point around community is, is really powerful. I mean, I just get the sense the more that I kind of work in, in this space, um, which is an extension of the work I've been doing for almost two decades, which is, which is pretty awesome that it, that it can be an extension and build off the work that I've been doing. There is this, everybody has a desire to belong and we all crave community and connection in some way. So I love the idea that people are getting together on one platform and then taking it into another medium or modality or experience to continue that growth. Um, which I mean, that part excites me tremendously. Um, I mean, I think about how many, you know, listening to a guest that Aubrey had, I followed, I, I then bought his book. I read his book, you know, I joined a forum, uh, you know, from that forum, I met someone who had a similar experience. It, it, it can really be a, a gift that, yeah. um, that just gives where, where it needs to in, you know, in your life and where you're at. So, um, I still the appreciate that. The craziest thing so, about working on it is we've all come here through like Aubrey or Joe Rogan. And so all of us, you know, are into like Wim Hof breathing are into meditation are into like, you know, truth. It's just it's super interesting because this, this place that I work now is that real life community that was right. those people who got super interested in these, these two people's podcasts. And so it's, and I think it's, it's gotta be a really powerful experience to be understood from the, from the onset. Yeah. Like, for I mean, sure. Especially that, coming from that, the last two experiences. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Like we were talking about, you know, I think a lot of times people join, um, whether it's corporations or communities or whatnot. And yes, we, we have shared values and, and there's values on walls and values on business cards. And we're like, okay, this is awesome. We're all starting from the same place. We all understand each other. And that's not always the case. So I think your experience is really, really powerful to hear you say that. Um, and, you know, I, 
I'm a huge fan of the sensory deprivation salt water floats. I've also been on a meditation journey for the past four years that continues to grow and evolve. And that's partly, partly what I think helps me down select, right? <laughs> Some of these things is, for sure. um, I just have a different sensory experience. Um, and I, I see the world differently and, um, and I'm so appreciative of that. So, um, so for what it's worth, I'd like to say thank you for introducing me to Aubrey and, and this, and this, uh, this continuing to grow community and ecosystem. Um, while we get ready to wrap up here, I would love to have you, um, share anything as listeners want to learn more about you. I think, you know, if they don't know who Aubrey Marcus is, like what's the best way for them to kind of take that, you know, that first step into the, uh, the baby pool, if you will, <laughs> um, and learn and anything else you'd like to share, uh, or point listeners to. Yeah, for sure. Um, so want to start by saying, if you haven't read the book, Dune, read Dune. Um, and it is one of my favorite quotes of all time. It's the litany against fear. Uh, it's, I must not fear for fear is the mind killer. Fear is the tiny death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I'll allow it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. There will be no fear. Only I will remain. Um, and I would look up that quote often too. I think it's really powerful. I think that we are so um, intensely held back by really, really strange fears and fear narratives in our head. And along those lines, if you aren't familiar with Aubrey, I also have a podcast that's been on a bit of a hiatus as I've been working to grow um, Aubrey's more and more. Um, but I would check out his podcast with Joe Dispenza. If you haven't, so just basically go to AubreyMarcus.com, um, go to podcasts, or you can go into his Instagram or iTunes or anywhere podcaster listens to, listen to and just check out Joe Dispenza's podcast. Uh, I don't know if I fully buy into all of Joe's stuff, but the most amazing thing is how often we live in these narratives and they're often negative. So like we are always concerned about a negative feature happening and, and what the, basically the question that Joe poses and he thinks to think there could be miraculous outcomes with this, but I just think it'll help you live a better life at a minimum is become aware of that negative, that negative like mindset. And when I say that, it can be everything is, oh, no, I'm two minutes late. That means that, you know, Bill is going to be super upset with me, which means that he will judge me for this and that nothing's going to work out and we're going to be really unhappy. And switch that to thinking, like, what if it's okay? Because I think we get caught in right. these little traps constantly throughout our day. And Joe, Joe takes that to the idea that you can, like, heal paralysis with it, which I don't know. I'm not sold on that one yet, but I know you can live a better life with it for sure. And there's no value in thinking of the negative and there's like only upside to thinking of the positive. So I think it's a great uh, place to start with Aubrey. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what we got. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sky, for this uh, conversation. Um, as expected, as anticipated, it leaves me sounding into my day uh, in, with all the inspiration and excitement um, and knowing that, you know, the exploration will continue. Um, thank you again for your time, for creating, for sharing your perspective on consumption versus creation um, and that balance. And um, I look forward to talking to you again and 
maybe we'll have, you know, a future episode on things like the brain gut connection or the sensory deprivation stuff or the cold, cold therapy or some of those things that, um, that you're doing to get to that, um, that healthier, um, that light, you know, healthier life. So thanks. Thanks again, Sky. Appreciate your time. Of course, Bill. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. All right. See you today. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Sky King as much as I did. I encourage you to take a listen to the Aubrey Marcus podcast. And if you have feedback on this podcast, please let us know. Thanks again for listening.